physical like feelings, senses, right? Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, I want to feel rough bodies. I want to feel soft bodies. I want to feel hairy bodies. I want to feel silky bodies, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I want to feel muscled bodies. I want to feel softer bodies, right? Welcome to Sweet Release. Hi, Sammy. Hey, Barbie. (laughs) Thanks so much for being here. Uh, Such a pleasure. I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah. We're talking about sexuality, shame, Mm. just you Mm. as a beautiful human being. (laughs) So I'd love if you can give us a little background or just kind of, yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself. And in in the realms of those topics, of course, and where it all began or how it felt growing up, if you ever felt different and all of that. Yeah, um, sure. Let's see where to start. Um, my name is Sammy. I am, um, I guess I would say I'm a sexual sexuality enthusiast, a real bona fide deviant. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, you know, I uh, grew up in uh, Detroit, Michigan, which I mean, if you know, common to most, you know, Midwestern towns uh, or even East coast towns, you know, they're very, you know, um, uh, uh, toxic in terms of masculinity, in terms of, uh, femininity, in terms of sexuality in general, right. The acceptance of sexuality. So, um, so it was an interesting journey, right? Because when you're dealing with and coming to terms with, you know, the curiosities of sexuality. It's hard to express that in a culture that is telling you not to, right? Where it's telling you, you know, uh, don't be queer, you know, don't uh, explore these feelings, anything outside of sort of the traditional masculine tropes, right? What's it be? What is it? What does it take to be a man? Um, and sort of learning what it takes to be a man from the men who were raised in, you know, um, in this toxic culture. Right. And, and that's taught from their dads and, and their dads and so on and so on. So growing up in a city like Detroit, you have to fight for your ability to explore your sexuality right and um and it's an interesting it's an interesting process too right because and and i would say and really this was you know 20 years ago 25 years ago um that i really started my exploration of sex and sexuality and and gender and sort of all that that it encompasses um so for me personally i would say that you know, uh, first off, when I when I took the steps of exploration, you know, I had to protect myself, right? Sort of, um, and what I mean by protecting myself, right, is sort of secretly exploring, right? Mm-hmm. I would do whatever it took to explore my sexuality in certain kind of ways, which I can talk a little more on in a bit. But, you know, I couldn't sort of, do it openly, not sort of, I absolutely couldn't explore any part of my sexuality openly. Right. So it was all moved. uh, So I moved around in secrecy 
And I think that if you're talking to a um, a mental health professional, right, they would say that's like not great, <laughs> not the best thing to do. But <laughs> um, but I I you know I I do concur because while no, it isn't healthy to hold you know hold these feelings in and hide them. But what I but I do think there are health there were healthy elements to it because you know, when you're in the midst of something, right? And if, if let's not think of it as sexuality, right? If you're um, training for, you know, softball, if you're training for dance, um, if you're, you know, trying these, um, these extracurricular activities, right? You sort of put it out there and then, you know, to your friends and your family and to the people that you trust, right? And then once you put it out in the universe, they have comments, right? They have their opinions. They have their feelings, right? What kind of softballs you should be using. I know nothing about softball, <laughs> you know, or what kind of dance slippers you should be using or what kind of studio you should be dancing at or what should it be ballet? Should it be jazz? Should it be tap or hip hop, right? Whatever this is. So when you're hearing these comments and these opinions from the people in your life that, you know, that you love and they love you back, that affects how you navigate these extracurricular activities. So going back to sexuality, right? What is powerful about the secrecy is that you're not you're not relying on what the people around you think. I mean, overall, overarching, yes, you are, right? Because mm-hmm. every, you know, religion has told us that homosexuality and the exploration of sexuality is an absolute sin. So, you know, you obviously you always have that looming, but, you know, God's really not knocking down your door. That's just the guilt from within. But when you really have the people around you telling you how to navigate your exploration, it does affect, it does affect, right? I grew up... Uh, Um, you know, in a really racist neighborhood. So if I were to talk about my sexuality with um, the people around me at the time, I would have been, let's say they were, would have been okay with homosexuality. And 20 years ago, they absolutely would not have been, but you know, they would have steered me away from African-Americans, right? They would have steered me away from Middle Easterns. So, um, so Without having the, you know, the people around you informing your, you know, decisions while exploring, you in return are able to explore yourself without those, without the regards of others, right? You can say yes to things that you normally wouldn't say yes to because you would wonder what your friend thinks or what your sister thinks, your brother, your cousin, your mother, whatever, right? So I do think there is beauty in in navigating in the secrecy because you're able to come to terms with what you like Mm -hmm. and what you don't like fully unadultered on your own. And that's really what I found most extraordinary about, um, about exploring in secrecy. (laughs) I love that. I feel like that's important. I think with every, I talk a lot about exploring. I think it's important for us all to explore our own bodies before we explore with other people. Mm, but in, in regards to kink or just pleasure in general, exploration is just so key. And so I do think, yeah, I've never thought about that before, but it's true. Like it's best to kind of hold it dear and hold it close to you, kind of keep it sacred before you unleash to the world in a way. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Because I get, I, you know, I'm commonly asked sort of like, well, you know, when, if I'm having these feelings, right, how do I, how do I, how do I 
say this to the people around me, right? How do I say it to my chosen family? How do I say it to my actual family? How do I, you know, come out essentially to my friends? And, and really, you know, the beautiful thing is that you don't have to. Mm-hmm. Your, se- your journey in your sexuality is your own, right? And I'm talking early stages. So, you know, um, when it comes to um, having a partner, right, a meaningful partner, then yes, you need to come out. You need to be out there. You need to be vulnerable in that way, right? When you're bringing another person into the dynamic. But when it is just yourself, you don't have to tell anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I never, you know, I never run home and tell everybody how many cocks I'm sucking, right? It's, <laughs> it's like, it's not necessary. It's, it's like, it's not even appropriate. It, it's your, it's your relationship with yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And, and specifically in the experimental stages, yeah. right? When you're really getting comfortable and knowing. And, you know, God bless. I support you. If, you know, you want to shout it from the mountaintops, hell yeah, go ahead and do it. But, you know, we're not fools. We're, you know, we're in a new age where we're seeing the world, you know, differently and more openly and more expressively. But, you know, as we, we've seen, you know, the political climate, especially we're still being held back by these archaic notions of sex and sexuality and gender, you know, that is, you know, which is just like draped in homophobia. Right. So, um, so you have to still navigate that. Right. Yeah. And how, how do you, cause society is still so fearful, I think maybe is a word or just these, these differing like sexual orientations and, I feel like so many people, it's still just such this hot topic or it's difficult for so many people to understand. So how yeah. do you navigate that still? Has it changed in the last 20 years? Oh, yeah. That, <laughs> that's been a really, you know, a, that's been an incredibly exciting journey. And honestly, to be frank, that's kind of been navigating my sexuality, you know, politically is kind of been my superpower. I think it's like so extraordinary. And when I think of the great things about myself, right, because we have to love ourselves. Or can love anybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, at a young age, I realized that I had these queer feelings, right? And and at such a young age, I didn't quite know where they landed or how they fell. And honestly, I didn't need to. You know, there wasn't anything at the time, right? And I'm saying young. I'm saying like five, six, seven, eight, nine years old. I was like, I had rumblings inside, right? Um, that I could not e- express really until puberty. That's when it started you know, coming clear to me, uh, what everything was sort of meaning and where, you know, the fire was sort of burning. Um, but as you sort of mature into teenage years, into young adulthood, right. I was really trying to, um, walk the line, right. Um, sort of with femininity and masculinity, right. And that's sort of in my, in my voice, in my presence, in, in my hobbies in my skills in my likes. Um, the things that I like and the things that, you know, I didn't, it was sort of like, you know, it was a little queer, but a little masculine, right? A little Mm -hmm. hetero. So I always walked a fine line of, well, it could swing either way. Right. And, and, and that's not easy to, that, that is hard on a young person, right? Because, you know, really you want that, you want any sort of young child growing up, you know, um, Uh, coming to terms with their unique sexuality to just be able to be out and open. Right. And so, um, so I was very sort of, um, uh, 
diplomatic about it, right? I would I would sort of lean both ways depending on the day of the week, depending on the subject, depending on the room, depending on the men in the room, depending on the women in the room. Um, so it was interesting. Now, what I think technically we would call that code switching, right? And I, I, I still I still fully code switch to this day, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm with uh, if I'm working with artists, then I'm like the biggest femme fag in the room. And then when I'm with like the execs in the boardroom, then, you know, I just kind of toughen up shoulders back, you know, <laughs> pull the wrist up a bit. Um, you know, but for many years, I really sort of walked the line. And I think that was positive um, for me to, you know, be able to you know, sort of be fluid in, in the conversations and the rooms. And, and I, and, and I don't live sort of like a straight line of a life. I'm, I'm really across the spectrum in terms of um, places that I visit, right. Whether I end up in right wing rooms, I end up in liberal rooms. I end up, you know, in sort of like, you know, multi-billion dollar, you know, penthouses. And sometimes I'm in like a crack den in the corner of some horrific city. So (laughs) like, so I am pretty fluid in that sense. Um, But then as I sort of, you know, matured and sort of realized that, you know, there's a great, um, there's a great movement of people now more than ever, really sort of fighting for their voice, fighting to be heard, fighting to be seen you know, in terms of their sexuality and, and really, you know, not even, nobody wants to pinpoint their sexuality right now. Just everybody's fighting just to have any kind of freedom, you know, to explore and be whoever they want at any given hour of any minute of every day. Right. That sort of shifted from within me to be like, fuck this. I'm going to just be sort of as queer as I want whenever I want. Right. And sort of, I sort of phased out, you know, the code shifting as much as possible, you know, in sort of my, you know, everyday life. I think when I'm trying to like close a deal when it comes to work, then, you know, I have no problem, you know, being a different version of myself. Um, But that's just a competitive nature that's sort of aside from, you know, um, my sexual nature. Yeah. Well, I think, I think it's beautiful being fluid and a lot of us are, whether or role-playing or at home or at work, you know, having that beautiful kind of contrast is what makes life so freeing and, and comforting and healing in many ways. So I love that. Yeah. You know, the idea of fluidity is so fascinating um, because like when I, when I start to think of sort of like what um, the early stages were of me being turned on, right. It, it was kind of like a, essentially like a fluid body part, right? It was sort of, sort of the ass, the human ass. Mm-hmm. And at a, I, I've always been obsessed with ass. And even to this day, sometimes I'll just like stare at asses and I'll, 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 I'll try to figure out why I love it so much, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, it, it's, it's the different shapes. It's the, you know, mediums of hair. It's, you know, sort of how they're looking, how they're bouncing when they're walking, how they look when they're bent over, right? And so I still don't fully know why I love ass. It's just like, it's just something that I absolutely love, right? We can't really explain why we love things. We just love them. We just do. Um, but at a young age, right, I knew quickly that I loved asses, right? And what sort of got the wheels turning in terms of sexuality was, is that I would be looking at, if you're looking at two asses, right, side by side, 
and you turn one and you're like, oh my God, those are both beautiful asses. And you turn one body over and it's, you know, the body with on the other side is a vagina. And then the next body they turn over and that body has a penis. Right. And then you're kind of like, oh, well, I love asses. Here's an ass with a vagina. Here's an ass with a penis. Like, why would I, I love these asses despite what's on the other end. Right. And so that is what really got the internal conversation going is, you know, well, I guess I maybe, I just love asses. It doesn't matter what's on the other side of it. And so that was sort of really honestly the journey of, and you know, the questioning of like, Oh, well, if I just love these asses, what's the difference, right? You're kind of just like, you know, puzzling in the rest. Um, so that was kind of like the first stage into questioning myself is to, oh, well, who, what do I like here? Right. Um, and that was, you know, in a society that was like, well, no, 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 you love, you are a man with a penis. You identify as a man with a penis. You love a woman who identifies as a woman, you know, with a vagina. So, um, so yeah, that's when I first started breaking the mold really. And that was at, that was at a very, very young age. I think that was around like somewhere between like, you know, 10 years old, 10, 11 years old. Um, yeah, but that always sort of fascinated me, right? That sort of those common denominators we have as mm-hmm. humans. And yeah. really, like, the only thing that differentiates ourselves are the, you know, the genitals on the front end. We all have tits. We all have ass. We all have feet. Mm-hmm. We all have armpits, right? So, um, so yeah, that was sort of the first steps in sort of the questioning and figuring out, you know. How how would you define your sexuality? Um, my sexuality, um, I, uh, you know, I what I love about sort of defining sexuality, which defining my gender, um, is kind of by not defining it, right? Yeah. Essentially, like, listen, I if I'll walk into any room, right? If I have to fight for my right to be whoever I want, I'll be fluid. I'll you know I'll do what it takes. Um, I think that I, I consider myself queer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I consider myself gay. I consider myself bisexual. Um, I consider myself, you know, um, sexually non-conforming, right? But I, I prefer to, in, at this stage of my life, identify as queer, right? Mm-hmm. Because that is, um, well, first off, it's a word that we've sort of taken back, right? It's a, it's a derogatory term, queer. Um, but we've sort of been taking it back over the last half decade or so. So I prefer to walk into any room and say, or any situation and say, you know, I'm, I'm queer, right? Because then I have the free range, right? The fluidity to be whoever I want to have, you know, emotional and physical relationships with anybody in the room, right? Who I just have a genuine, you know, connection with. Do you find that it's, yeah, the connection that draws you in before the looks and, and all that? Oh, <laughs> or are you both? Oh, both. Yeah. It's both. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't like to limit myself. You know, sometimes I hate the motherfucker, but like, oh, my God, they're so fucking hot. <laughs> and then, you know, sometimes I love that. I love the person in front of me. But sexually, there, you know, isn't, you know, much chemistry. So it can go either way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it just kind of depends sort of like who is in front of me right and sort of what 
um, what road we sort of walked down together, right? Um, Was there ever a time where you kind of let yourself explore and you let yourself, you know, dive in and that led to kind of feeling empowered? Oh my God, yeah. (laughs) I, (laughs) in terms of, of my exploration, right? I think that I am, like I said, you know, like I am sort of a connoisseur of sex and it's interesting how that changes, you know, as you age, right. Going from like a a young teenager to, you know, and then into your late teens and in your twenties and into your thirties. Right. I'm constantly exploring, right. I am constantly seeking out new ex new sexual ex- explorations right and um and i always have i think that um and that's a big part of why i kind of like travel around the world too mm-hmm. because different countries react to sexuality different different countries have different ways they have sex different countries celebrate different kinks right um, in sort of in, in when you're traveling around the world, you're seeing, you know, uh, facilities where in, in groups of people that are welcoming you to those kind of, um, you know, different kinds of ways to explore your sexuality. Right. So I think that like um, <laughs> there's so many we would be here all night. Barbie. <laughs> that was a good one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess let's see here. Um, I think sort of we can go back to my first one, right? Um, really sort of my, I think uh, my first sort of really wild exploration. I was um, I was on a Hawaiian island and um, I was living with a group. I had four other roommates. There were five of us in this apartment um, on Oahu. We had this gorgeous little apartment uh, in Waikiki off of the LOI canal, right? And um, and so everybody was also fucking each other. Everybody was just fucking each other. And it was so wild. It was so crazy. And we were very young, too. And so we wanted, it was getting a little toxic. And we still wanted to be on this island because we sort of fought so hard to get there. Um, and it's also very expensive to stay there, especially when you're teenagers. And so we were like, okay, we've all kind of fucked each other and we, you know, uh, we couldn't really deal with our emotions. Right. And we were teenagers too. So we weren't even really that good at, at, at sex, right. Cause teenagers aren't normally. And so I was trying to figure out, and my name was on the lease, right? So I was like, oh my God, if everybody bails, like my credit's going to be ruined. So I was like, <laughs> how can I bring everybody together in this meaningful way, right? And so I was, um, I stuck into a bar and um, I, was, I was too young to be drinking at the bar, but I had put on like a white t-shirt and I went to the back of the building and I went into the kitchen and I like picked up, I put the white t-shirt on, I picked up like a, a bus tub right and so it looked like i worked there and then i just like walked to the front of the restaurant through the bus tub down and and threw my shirt off and then was in like my street clothes so they wouldn't id me and i had met this really beautiful um couple it was a male and a female identifying couple and um and they were very sexy and and like they knew it and 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 i knew it and so i just kind of like shimmied up to them 
And um, and they were in their early 30s at the time. And, and like I said, I think it was 18. It was 18 at this time. And, um, you know, they were just sort of by the early conversations, they were sexually explorative, right? They were sort of pushing the boundaries and, um, and they, and it was very flirty. Right. And so I was like, you know, they're like, well, who are you? What are you doing? And I sort of talked to them about the problem that we've all kind of fucked each other and now we're fucked. (laughs) (laughs) And so they were like, well, I was like, you know, I'm just trying to figure out what to do. And they were like, well, actually, they were like, they they hosted up in the mountain. They hosted this tantric workshop. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, if you if you and your crew and also full disclosure, a lot of um, a lot of not all, but a lot of swinger swingerisms and swinger groups and tantric groups are all heavily populated by like 60 plus 50, 60, 65 plus. Right. Mm-hmm. So you so they're like not a lot of spring chickens. And, and for anybody that's exploring. I mean, that's exploring swingerism as like a young person. You first off, you have to be like, um, if you're a man, you have to be with a woman. Um, if you're a woman, you can hang slow, solo, right? But like, I do encourage you to check out um, as a young person, um, swingerism communities in your neighborhoods or your cities, because um, because when you're young, you're like a hot little property. Yeah, you're the commodity. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And usually there's always another young person there, another young couple there. And then you guys can just kind of like team up and, you know, sort of look out for each other, which is really meaningful and super important when you're putting yourself out there vulnerably in these sexual ways. Um, so I was like, yeah, we're all like, you know, hot young teenagers and in our 20s. And they were like, you guys should come, you know, you should come to this uh, workshop. It was like a weekend retreat. And so, you know, I convinced everybody to go. And it was this really extraordinarily eye opening experience because we, uh, you know, we're all human, right? So we all we all had crushes on each other and some people more than others. And so we all dipped in, right. And then we, we all screwed. And then all these jealous feelings came up. Right. And it was mm-hmm. like, well, does he, li- does he like her more? Does he like him more? Does she like, you know, she like they who like what, right. And, and now what are these uh, relationship dynamics because they were kind of all coupled up. Right. And they were kind of passing each other. Uh, we were passing each other around. And so we, you know, when you, when you, practice or study tantric right there's there tends to be a lot of sort of group workshops where one person is lying on the ground and then the group of men and women and those you know in between are sort of around you and you're being guided by a trainer to do these certain moves on the body right and it was it was so incredibly inspiring because you know, we had been fighting about who should be or shouldn't be fucking who. And then we were sort of put in this situation where we all sort of, you know, none of us were the dominant ones, right? We had somebody um, walking us through what we were doing, right? So we were all kind of the subordinate actors in this scenario. And we were all essentially like, you know, tantric is more, you know, it's, it's a great deal of, 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 of touching and how to touch right in the right spots to do that the androgynous mm-hmm. zones and whatnot. So, um, so we were all sort of in it being directed. We were, I felt like we, at one point I was like, we're just like little toddlers here. I know we shouldn't really <laughs> refer to toddlers in that way, but like we were it's all, yeah, yeah, we were all just like little Muppet babies, you know, and they were just sort of like telling us what to do. And, and there was this aha moment, right. Where we were just like, 
none of that shit matters, right? It is all ego. It is all ego from our fathers. It's mm-hmm. all ego from our mothers. It's these constructs that were put into place by society, by the government. And, you know, we were raised to think that, no, it just it just had to be one person, right? It, we were raised to think, no, it had to be the specific gender that we were mating with. But then we were all just sort of like, you know, dick deep at the same time in and we we're in like this beautiful you know mountain villa and you know it's really broke down the walls in a meaningful way where it was like hell no it's like we actually don't like we can share each other in this way because that's what we want to do right we all actually want to be sexually liberated but we're so, you know, harsh down by, you know, the fucking religious houses that we were grown, we were born into, mm-hmm. right? Um, by the parents we were grown into and the, the grandparents, right? So, um, so that was really, that was, that was a defining moment for me, right? I was 18 years old. It was, you know, I was in the, you know, the cusp of adulthood and I was a part of this group experience that allowed us to really like, break down the walls and just kind of say fuck it to how mm. we kind of knew everything knew it to be at that time i love that what a what a first experience <laughs> or what a- <laughs> it was so wild <laughs> it was a wild but with so that beautiful yeah that being the first experience then you're kind of like trying to one-up that yeah exactly yeah so so do you have you done a lot of more group ex- i mean Tantra is one thing, but like group experiences in general, have you, is that one thing that you love to do since you're kind of queer? Do you dabble into experiencing couples and group play and the swinger lifestyle? Is that one of your (laughs) many pleasures? (laughs) Oh my God. Yes. I love, I love a group. I think the more the merrier, right? I think the more bodies, the more body types, the more, Mm -hmm. you know, I love, like I love big things. I love little things. I love shapely things. Mm. So, um, and I guess like maybe I'm a little ADHD in that sense. Um, no, I've fully been diagnosed with ADHD. <laughs> you are, <laughs> but like, I you lo- like variety. Yeah. I'm kind of, yeah, I'm similar. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> right. And like, I don't get me wrong. Like I do like in my relationships, like I, I love a constant too. Like I love a one person that's a ride or die and that you can depend on. Right. And I think that if you really do have, um, a real honest uh, closeness and intimacy, you can have that ride or die and still be experimenting with a bountiful, you know, amount of bodies. Um, but I love a group. Oh my God. I think it's so fun. I think, you know, the transfers of energies, I think is just so exciting and just sort of like feeling the different bodies. Right. Because I think like sex is feeling and and I'm not, and I'm not talking about like emotional feelings. Yes. Sure. It is. Um, can and it also can't be, but like the physical feelings, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like, I want to feel rough bodies. I want to feel soft bodies. I want to feel hairy bodies. I want to feel silky bodies, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I want to feel muscled bodies. I want to feel softer bodies. Right. I think it's so, I think it's so fascinating and so exciting. So I love a group. Mm -hmm. I love a group that, um, just comes about naturally. Um, 
Yeah, I, the organic ones are the best. Yeah, yeah. But don't get me wrong. I also love, I love to schedule a group. I love that we are here for, you know, to meet at this time in this venue for this amount of time. Fucking cut the bullshit, drop your clothes and let's sort of, you know, speak with our bodies too, mm-hmm. right? Because I think it's so lovely to get to know people and and then to embark on a, a sexual experience. Um, but I also equally love like not knowing anybody, right? I think what's so fascinating is like, you know, take the personality, take, you know, the voice, take the mannerisms out of the equation and just speak through, you know, raw sexual, you know, magnetism. I think that is a, it's a whole voice that's fully neglected. Right. Sam as um, Sammy in a boardroom, Sammy in a recording studio, Sammy at a party. Right. Is is totally different than um than sammy naked in the sheets <laughs> and so like i i speak different languages right the same way i would speak spanish or i would speak english right it's like yeah it's still it's still the same voice but it's it's a you know you're moving differently you're acting differently and and sort of my voice is you know a sexual um is a sexual prowess is, <laughs> is like really bold and stands all on its own. Um, and also sex is, is nerve wracking too, right? It, it's like your first date. It's like, you know, you're not, that's why like I hate first dates and I, and I do try to go on like a second one because like, you know, we get nervous, mm-hmm. right? We're not fully ourselves. And so it's like, I may sort of, um, hate your personality, but like your, or I shouldn't say, Hey, I may not like your personality, you know, when we're having coffee, but like, I like absolutely fucking love your sexual personality. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's interesting to, um, understand that you, you are a complex human b- being and you have different voices depending on what elements of your body and your life that you're speaking with at any given point in time. Yeah, that's well said and beautiful. I think that's important for everyone to know is like there's so many different facets to us or I kind of sometimes call them like core erotic desires. Mm. You know, there's all these different desires within us and and tapping into those and and just welcoming all the uniqueness of you is is just so important. Yeah, I absolutely agree. What are some of your kinks if you're worth if you're comfortable sharing or Ooh. some pleasure <laughs> you know my um my relationship with with kinks are is so fascinating and i and i kind of i, I took stock in it sort of recently because i what kind of blew my mind was that my sort of kinks that i'm just fascinated right now right and they shift and they change and they mold um and and sometimes you lean into it and you realize that you didn't like it that much. And then other times you lean into it and you're like, holy shit, I like, I love this more than ever. Right. (laughs) Um, And so I was, when I was taking stock, I was like, wow, how did these, like these kinks that I love right now, I actually hated. Um, I hated 10 years or 15 years ago, they, they rubbed me the wrong way. I keep saying, Hey, I need to stop using that term, but they rubbed me the wrong way. And, and it's so bizarre to think how much I love them right now. Um, so yeah, with that said, (laughs) (laughs) drum roll, please. Drum roll. 
Um, I'm very much into lingerie right now. I and and I was I've always kind of been into lingerie, right? And that's in 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 it's it's women and it's men, right? I like lace. I like anything soft to the skin. Mm-hmm. I love fishnet stockings. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and in particular, I love to rip the fishnet stockings. And luckily they're like pretty reasonably priced so <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's okay to rip them yeah. i actually like wearing ripped stockings i think there's a look to that too. yeah no it's mm-hmm. fun it's sexy um i love um i particularly right now i love masculine men in very feminine like silk lingerie mm. right now i think it's so fun i think it's so wild um yeah and it's totally getting my blood going i love that do you ever put it on (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. oh yeah yeah totally totally yeah i had a uh i had a boyfriend over the pandemic who um who loved it and so like we really had nothing to do so he would just order underwear all the time and so um and that sort of really kind of lit that fire um so yeah i have quite an extensive um Collection. Uh, yeah. Nice. That's like for me and also for my friends who come by. <laughs> Little. <laughs> my love elves. I love that. That's fun. Yeah, I can kind of relate to. So, so did you not always like lingerie? Is that one of the ones that you kind of didn't? Like? I, well, I, okay, I had, and this is, I, I loved it on, I loved it on women. All of the, all of the girlfriends that I've had, I would always do like, I loved for like birthdays and for holidays. We would, I would always like, suggest that we do um lingerie swaps right like Mm -hmm. like let uh like i know you want to give me this birthday but let's just do like dinner and underwear right Mm -hmm. um i just thought that it was really fun i would do that with my girlfriends but i wouldn't do that with my boyfriends and or the men i was fooling around with and i was like and and i realized that was actually a form of internalized homophobia right Mm -hmm. it was this sort of notion of like no you know, lace panties and G-strings and thongs are for, you know, those who identify as women, right? And mm-hmm. that's all that goes, right? And and, and because of that, like, that eh, didn't turn me on because it's, like, not okay. And then you get heady, right? It's like, I'm trying to get horny, but now I'm thinking about what my dad would say if he saw me in front of this guy with lingerie, right? And that's it. That's internalized homophobia. That yeah. is, you know, an arm of it. So I sort of, I had worked through that, you know, I didn't like that. I noticed that I was doing that and I did not like that. And I was like, no, and, and what it did, it, it took me wearing it, right? To be like, ooh, this is sexy. This is fun. But then it's like, I don't want to keep looking in the mirror. I'm like, you put it on. And then that sort of, you know, snowballed from there. Love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have a similar one where I remember when I was dating um, this Dom or we started talking and he was like, do you have any hard limits? You know, having that boundaries conversation. I was thinking about things and I was like, you know, I don't really love like bruising and like bleeding and, Mm -hmm. you know, all these things and and feces, you know, like those hard limits. But then I was also, also like, I don't I don't think I would ever want you to slap me. But um, now, like slap across the face oh, yeah. is like one of my favorite <laughs> things. But there were a few relationships early on, and I think I just didn't maybe trust them fully. I didn't feel vulnerable enough to experience that. And and finally, when I, I felt that 
you know, like I remember asking for it for the first time and it was just like amazing. And, and, and to me, it's more sensory. It's not so much the degradation or, or, you know, kind of the humiliation power play dynamic. It's that sting and like channeling that through my body. So Oh yeah. Yeah. But well, I, I do like, I do like a little bit of degradation, but (laughs) you know, it's, it's interesting when it comes to slapping, right. You have to be careful as a man, right. Because let's talk societal norms. It's like, no, you Mm -hmm. don't hit a woman. Right. We know this, we know this from a very young age. So we are more conscious of how we're, you know, smacking women, you know, sexually and playfully. Right. There is a fine line with men because when, when culturally, when we grow up, Men are 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 known to beat the shit out of other men, right? Mm-hmm. And and so you 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 can very easily lose sight of that. Once he once I was like, you know, I was with a man and he was like, you know, like I, I get rough. And I was like, well, yeah, I get rough too. I like <laughs> to be smacked. This motherfucker fucked me up. I was oh, like, shit. like beat my ass. And I was like, not like really, really beat my ass, but like really fucking knocked me yeah. around. And I was like, holy shit. <clears throat> I was not ready for that. Actually, in that situation, I had a bruised rib. It was kind of horrifying. Oh, my God. <laughs> I remember, actually, this was like the Wednesday before. What is it? Blackout Wednesday, the night before Thanksgiving? Yeah, yeah. I went out. This and... was That was the Thanksgiving weekend. Oh, my God. No way. This was when I lived in Pasadena with my sister. And I came <clears throat> home, and I let this guy slap me a bunch. And and she was like, Barbie, oh, my God, your face. I was like, this is fine. I didn't realize this was going to bruise. <laughs> well, that is what you need to be careful of, yeah, right? Is are. the bruising. Mm-hmm. Because, and I think it's more commonly to have your, like, ass smacked than it is to have, like, your face smacked. You can hide the ass. You can hide the face. Mm-hmm. But before you do go into that kind of rough play, you have to understand. You have to ask yourself, do you bruise like a peach? <laughs> and, and do you and have to so, show up to work? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but I do think though, you know, once also I was um I was with a partner who liked to choke and they didn't really understand how to choke, right? And there's there's a great deal of research you can do online. And it's it's really <clears throat> when you're choking sexually, you sort of grab you know, sort of the outer core, the outer of the neck, right? Mm-hmm. And because what you don't want to fuck with is this breathing path right here. And a lot of people don't understand that, right? So they'll go into choke you and they'll fuck up this breathing path, which can bruise your vocal cords, which can obviously, if you go so deep, it will collapse it your, hurt, yeah. yeah. And you can get into like, you can get your body physically in a lot of harm. So you do need to be careful and you do need to research. Um, and that's for, you know, the the person in the dominant role and the person in the subordinate role, because um, because when it does come when when it does come to, you know, um, sexual violence in terms of role play and mm-hmm. and you have to know what you can do and what you can't do. So you're really not physically hurting um, your partner. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that one up. Um, Asphyxiation, like playing with breath play, which I've talked about a little bit, but I actually had someone recently ask me a question and and they were like, yeah, I'm just terrified of it because of, you know, death. (laughs) That's like very drastic. (laughs) But I guess it's true. You know, you do. Like you said, there's um, there's an art to it. And I think that's something you should never. That's not something that you do by yourself either. I think that's important to like have it as a partnered activity mm-hmm. <laughs> if it is something that you're into. But um, yeah, it's kind of educating yourself first 
before exploring and then taking those baby steps and, and yeah, always communicating throughout and having those safe words or safe motions, you know, throughout. Yeah, absolutely. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I, you know, in my sexual exploration, right. I think when I was growing up, I, I found myself more when I was a younger age, you find yourself with the people around you who are inexperienced. Right. And, but sort of the older you get and with like the internet, right. Everybody's on the internet and you can find, people on the internet who have these interests right and so i look for somebody with experience right Mm -hmm. when i really want to try something new like i won't go to i won't go to somebody and say hey do you want to try this you know for the first time i seek out somebody who's sort of an expert in that right in that field and that kink and that you know sexual exploration whatever road that takes you so then they're you know, and, and I will say, and, and because I, I am conscious of it, right. So that I'm actively searching for people with experience. So you, you have these positive experiences, right. When it comes to, you know, sort of heavier on the violent side or, you know, or really anything, they, I, they will walk you through it. Right. They'll teach you about limits. They'll, you know, explain to you, like, they'll be, you know, conscious of like your body and how you're reacting. Right. Mm -hmm. So when you are experimenting and you find somebody, you know, online really, um, who is a pro at it, then you're going to a be much safer, b really learn, you know, how to play into this, you know, correctly. Uh, in the best way possible and um, and see you'll wind up enjoying it a lot more right and mm-hmm. then you as that peer will one day become the teacher <laughs> yep full circle icons only <laughs> <laughs> what are some of the you you mentioned before you know you, tra- you know you travel a bunch and I do feel like that was where my um, that was where my kind of adventure spirit came from and I think that's why my sexual spirit is also very adventurous is because of the travel and, and exploring new places and countries. But what are some of, what are some of the unique sexual kind of personalities of some of your favorite countries? (laughs) Where to start, where to start. Um, uh, You know, I think I I particularly love, Mexico. Okay. Um, Mexico is, is, is wild because it's essentially, it really is. It's the great American West. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're, um, and so, oh my God, I'm trying to think, what is my favorite in Mexico? Uh, CDMX, Mexico city. Right. Um, and also Puerto Vallarta and sort of the surrounding cities around it are really sexually explorative and wild. Right. This is where, um, you know, sex work is legal. So you can, you know, if you want to try something, if you want to explore something, you know, and you're not comfortable asking your partner, if you're not comfortable asking somebody in your community or your town, right. Um, because it's so small and it can get back to you, right? The gossip you can, it, this is all for hire. 
in mm-hmm. Mexico, right? You can you can go to a brothel, you can go to you know a sex club, um, and you can pay to have to experiment and to try these things. And and I love that. And and I do believe that's the same um, for Amsterdam as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know where they're really you know allowing sex workers to um, to put themselves out there and and to be accessible. So I love Mexico in the sense that like. Like, you know, I'm 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 not against paying sex workers for sex. I think it's wonderfully no strings attached, Mm -hmm. Um, especially when you're in a committed relationship. Right. It's like, you know, uh, um, hookers are are really not going to blackmail you. They're really just, (laughs) you know, there to pleasure you for the pay. And then you you leave and they're also not going to fall in love with you right they're not gonna fall in love with you they're not gonna fall in love with your partner you know yeah there's like a legal boundary there yeah yeah yeah. so um i love mexico in the sense that it's the great last of the wild west um you know i think um spain is like such a hyper sexualized country and it's so gorgeous and so wonderful um you know there's a lot of places where you can just sort of hang out have a drink get to know somebody and then have sex, right? You can rent a room or, you know, there's a lot of sort of sex clubs in um, Barcelona, particularly Madrid as well, where, you know, you can hang out, get to know people, get comfortable, get a little buzzed up, you know, and sort of take it from there. Um, I think that's really beautiful. Um, uh, (laughs) <laughs> do you have another one on your mind your little giggle <laughs> i was just trying to think it's like you know it's like i well uh, there's so many you know so many countries um you know i would say though you know i had i had an interesting experience in north africa this year and to sort of go you know on the sort of opposite spectrum sort of like i was in morocco and um this is where you know it's a muslim country right so there is actually no sex outside of marriage um homosexuality in any form is illegal and is hyper sexualized as my life and my world is um i was it went on a couple of dates so i was in um in Morocco, I won't say what specific city, um, in case I go back there again. <laughs> but um, it, it was interesting because you really you can't show any affection sexually in public, and that's just not. It's not just um, two men, but it's also men and women, right? The only, what's wild about it is that you can show love. Men can show love as family members. So it's this hype. It's this uh, from the outside. It's this hyper sexualized world, right? Where sons, grown sons and, and, and fathers are holding hands, right? Grown men are sitting on the laps, like 25, 35 year old men are sitting on the laps of, of their grandfathers, right? It's so bizarre and it's so, so sexy. And you're like, <laughs> And you're like, holy shit. And I was like, you know, and then like, you know, I'm on, you know, certain dating apps and they're like, hey, let's meet, let's meet. And and so you you're going out in public to meet, and you don't, there's also no booze in these, you know, Muslim countries as well. So you're just kind of meeting for um, you're meeting for teas and you're having conversations and and you have to 
flirt and you have to, you know, sort of sexualize the conversation in such different and unique ways that isn't mm-hmm. as blunt and straightforward. And that's kind of a um, a restriction that is kind of a kink in its own. It's arousing, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. And also it sort of throws you off your game, right? It's sort of like, you know, like Samantha in Abu Dhabi, you know, in the Sex and the City films. It's like, no, you can't put yourself out there. You have to sort of hold back. And in in and it was such a, a fascinating learning experience to me, right? It actually kind of took me back to like, you know, grade school, like when I was in Catholic school and, you know, trying to like flirt with the boys around me with like <laughs> not letting them know, but seeing if they were to pick up on it. But um, but that was a really wild experience in this in being in a country where, you know, sexuality will put you in jail. And so you sort of have to, you know, experience and and evoke these emotions in 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 almost an adolescent way, right? Mm-hmm. In the way you sort of did when you were, you know, in your primitive years trying to figure out how to navigate sexuality without being so blunt about it. Um, yeah, can I borrow a pencil? <laughs> what was it? I don't even know. <laughs> That's what I did. Need a pencil sharpen. <laughs> that sounds more right. <laughs> I love it. No, I'm good. It's pretty sharp. Thanks. <laughs> okay. So good. Yeah, that's so that's so interesting. And I and I do think you're similar to me in the way that your adventurous spirit doesn't stop at you know your sexual spirit. It's your just. You're traveling and all of that. So it's cool to try new things. Well, I think what's so, I think for anybody that's trying to experiment sexually and just can't break out, who's just like so nervous and, and, and let's be real, just like so afraid to explore that side of you in your hometowns or in your cities, um, get that fuck out of there. Get the hell out of town. Go somewhere where nobody knows you. Mm-hmm. nobody knows you so you don't have to worry about your reputation you don't have to worry about any kind of backlash or repercussion right because that's what it is you don't want anybody to know that we're this kinky we don't even know that we are interested in the same sex or interested in somebody who you know is you know non-binary or you know uh, gender different so Go somewhere where they don't know you, where you don't have a reputation, where like book a fucking flight. Mm -hmm. You know, I love to travel with friends. I love to travel with groups. So when I travel solo, which I I do primarily, I'm like, uh, like I'm like, I love a vista. I love a gorgeous view. Mm -hmm. And then I love to know, like, is this cultural? How is this culture sexually driven? And Mm -hmm. how can I like, will there be places for me to like, you know, stick my dick in? (laughs) So it's really fun. And it's like, it's low stakes too, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, nobody's going to know. So treat yourself to like an um, explorative trip where nobody knows you and, and don't worry about everything that you have to worry about or that you choose to worry about, right. you know, where you're from. That's great advice. Do you have any other advice for people that are dealing with shame around having, you know, bi-curious thoughts or same-sex thoughts and Yeah. You know, I think when it comes to the shame of having, you know, thoughts is that like, you know, at first you will. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, as I said, we we grew up. We don't know. It's like, you know, my father, my father recently over the holiday, I was I was talking about a homosexual friend that we knew. um, And I was like, well, yeah. And he was acting like an asshole. My dad was like, well, why? And I was like, well, because he's he's dealing with inner homophobia. And my dad was like, well, if he's gay, you know, or if he's bisexual, how is he dealing with homophobia? Right. And I was like, well, dad, I was <laughs> like, 
you know, we grew up in a house. It's not okay to be gay, right? When when I was when I when I came out to my father, what we had to work through, and 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 bless my father, he's like such a lovely man who really fucking um, who really came around quite quite um, quite quickly and educated himself, you know, quite well. You know, he I was like, Dad, like the worst thing. In, and I can only speak in uh, for American culture. I guess I can speak for Italian culture too, to a certain degree. But you know, the worst thing a father can hear in this age is not that you killed somebody, not that you raped or molested somebody. The worst thing you could tell your father is that you are gay. Wow, that is so common. That is so common. And I'm talking about in every fucking state in this fucking union. Mm -hmm. The worst thing you could do is tell your father you're gay. Not that you killed a man or a woman drinking and driving. Not that you, um, you know, robbed a bank. It's telling them that you're gay, right? And this is coming from the Bible. This is coming from our parents and their parents and their parents, right? So you have this inner homophobia. And it's not your fault. Mm -hmm. It's your fault if you continue to push a homophobic agenda. That's your fault. But it's not your fault that you are homophobic. It's not your fault that you're dealing with homophobia. Because this is what we've been taught our entire lives. We in, in schools, in the family, in the religion, right? These are our three. And in government. And in, in absolute government. We were only, queer people are only allowed to marry uh, eight years ago, right? 2015 is when we mm-hmm. um, overturned. So, so this is so it's okay that you are homophobic, right? And and I'm saying it's okay because you need to understand that you're dealing with internalized homophobia as somebody who equally wants to and is interested in exploring sexuality, right? And that's what you have to be honest with yourself. You have to be honest with yourself because that's the only way that you are going to put forth effort, right? Whether it's through research, reading, studying, online, therapy, you know, you have to understand that about yourself first in order to make, to take the first steps to deal with that homophobia, to break through that homophobia. I am, I, I still am. I am, I am unapologetically queer, really, truly. Um, but I am also, and I have internalized homophobia. I've done a great deal of work because I wanted to rid myself of this cancer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I do find myself being like, holy shit, like, that's so homophobic to him. Like, and, and it's not like what I'm saying at, at a party or out loud. It's, it's what's going it's on your in internal here. Dialogue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, no, 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 bro. That's, you are fully homophobic you need to step back and reevaluate that right so you know as a person that's coming to terms with their sexuality you have to come to terms with the fact that you have homophobic feelings and in in and you can work through that with mm-hmm. self-help books you can work through that with you know if you're not a reader with with cinema you know there's some extraordinary queer films that that you know will help you deal with it right um and you'll see how these characters act and react because films are based off of people Mm, like yeah they're dramatized right Mm -hmm. and and you know it's like and self-help books are a lot right sometimes 350 pages is hard to swallow (laughs) you know so you can get that in in films right um you know what's wonderful about this day and age especially in the post-pandemic era is that 
therapy is online. Mm. You know, you can reach out to, they have so many online therapists who deal with people coming to terms with their sexuality and you don't have to tell anyone. You, you don't have to walk into a building. Right. You know, it's virtual. Yeah. It's all virtual yeah. You nowadays. can do that all, you know, you, even mm-hmm. with your, even if you have a partner, right. I do my therapy at work. We have soundproof rooms and I fully <laughs> do my therapy at work and it's horrible when I, like my therapist makes me cry. My therapist makes me cry. <laughs> it's the shit I say. Yeah. I walk out and then like my team's there and I'm like, I'm sorry guys. Um, you know, but I, I think that like, you know, therapy is a, is a really incredible way to do it. And you can do that in peace. You can do that, you know, quietly, um, without anybody knowing. Um, and also like, you know, sort of, I said earlier, you don't need, if you're experience, if you're curious, if you're experiencing, you don't have to tell anybody Mm -hmm. this is your, your sexuality is a part of the relationship with yourself. Mm-hmm. And you do not have to disclose that to anybody until you're ready. Right. And the more you, and the, I'll tell you the first few times, the first couple times, the first year, the first two years, three years, you, you, you know, it, it takes time, right? Everybody's on their own schedule, their own calendar, but you know, you don't have to share that with anybody, you know, you can. And, and I think it's incredibly freeing once you become to the point where you're comfortable enough to share that it's, so wonderfully freeing and I, I push everybody towards that but you know when you're at the front end hell no keep that shit to yourself yeah take your time yeah 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 and that's a common misjudgment right it's like okay i'm having gay feelings come out come out god damn it and it's like no no you don't you yeah don't you don't to. want to pressure yourself to do yeah, anything yeah you know because we're out there there's way there's way way more fucking fags and all the in between who will shout and scream from the mountaintops for you right <laughs> so you can just take your time <laughs> when take you're ready slow. yeah and you're ready if ever you get to the point where you want to shout it out yeah you'll you'll have that right and i'm saying that i'm saying that as an american right i'm saying mm-hmm. that in 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 the free world right so if there's anybody listening, you know, from predominantly Muslim countries or, you know, African countries or, you know, e- countries in the East where, you know, governments are, you know, killing people because they're queer. Governments are, um, you know, um, putting people in interment camps because they're queer. Right. I'm, obviously, that's a different situation and you have to really navigate that a, a lot more, um, a lot differently and a lot uh, more delicately. Um, but, but for those who are in the U S who are in Canada, who are in Mexico, who are in Western Europe, you know, that is my advice. Great advice. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Cheers to that. (laughs) Um, as we're wrapping up, I would love to know, I love asking people since this is the sweet release podcast that last time you had that sweet release in any and all details, whether it was solo partnered, you know. Whatever you want to share. Uh, yeah. You know, I had, um, you know, I'll speak on, uh, you know, uh, a buddy of mine from just a few days ago, 48 hours ago. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a, a man who's, who's bisexual. Right. And it was, um, we have really great, we have really great chemistry and, and I have a lot of partners or lovers or buddies, whatever you want to call them, who are, you know, who are, are, absolutely identify as bisexual men. And, um, and this was actually a turning point. Um, Oh my God, it was a hell of a night. I will say this, you know, when, um, when it comes to experimenting with uh, men of the same sex, right? Like, you know, 
it's not serious. It's really not so serious, right? It's two bodies slapping meat, right? So like, so you need to kind of relax. And and when you're going up here, it, it's in your head. It's really, it is hard to relax. And I get that. And so like, what I love about this particular guy is that like, he loves a cocktail. He loves to sip whiskey or tequila and he loves to smoke a joint, right? So we just kind of like kick back, we catch a buzz and then just sort of like um, relax. <laughs> this was pretty wild. We went, we went, he got at 530. He got at my house at 530. We were close on the ground at six. And we were going at it until like 1030. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> so it was like a pretty, like, a, it was a pretty meaty session in terms of time but what's fascinating what was so different about this experience was that he is incredibly quiet and incredibly closeted and 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 he doesn't want anybody to know about his endeavors his experimentations with men Mm -hmm. right and so he has certain rules right and it's sort of when we are fooling around he can't um sort of he can't really kind of look at me Right. He wants to see the body. He wants to see, you know, the cock. He wants to see the ass, but he won't look me in the eyes. And 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 I get that. And we have like really great chemistry. So like obviously there's enough there for me to have interest to to keep hanging out. And so, you know, we had been we have been hanging out probably for about four months now. And it is really fire. Our chemistry is really fire. And so in this particular um, this particular hang, he was actively looking at me in the eyes. Right. So this is probably about the sixth time we've fooled around together. And so it was interesting that, you know, we just sort of crossed that threshold where he looked me in the eyes and I had noticed that, right. There was a particular moment um, when we were uh, fucking that he looked me in the eyes and I was like, he kind of like turned and moved and I was like, wow, okay, we're, we're here. And he was like, he was like, yeah, yeah, we're here. Like I'm comfortable and ready to do this. Right. And I was like, oh, that's so lovely and beautiful. Right. And, and, you know, I do have a lot of, you know, partners where it's sort of like, I need, particularly somebody at my level, right? My level of, you know, bravery to explore and to do these things. And so, you know, but but for some, for special ones, right? You have to sort of, you know, go slower, right? It's what I was saying before is that when I was trying to explore, I would look out, I would look for a pro, right? Instead of a rookie. And so now, you know, I am in more situations of pro than a rookie. It's sort of like, yeah, you know, you are helping this person work through this and and guide their way through this. So we, you know, we entered a new phase. So I'm <laughs> really excited. Um, oh, that's sweet. Yeah, that was really fun and exciting to sort of get to. But yeah, yeah, that was the last sweet release, Barbie. I love it. it was a good <laughs> orgasm. <laughs> oh my More God. than one. It was actually incredible. I was say that's a long night. It was actually it was really extraordinary. And there was I do commonly say this because I this is how I like to live life. But that was the sex is so extraordinary that there was a moment where I was like, this is one of the best. Mm. This is one of the best. Um, this is some of the best sex I've had in my entire life. And I try to say that as often as possible. And I only say it when I mean it. I'm not just trying to like, you know, fucking win a medal for every 
I live for an orgasm. I live for sexual expression. Like it's so important to me to maintain a healthy life. Like mm-hmm. I don't give a shit about my career. I don't give a shit about <laughs> anything but the orgasm. That's really what it comes down to. Preaching to the choir. I fully support. Yeah. I mean, life is beautiful and mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're not here by choice, but my orgasm is definitely a choice mm-hmm. and it's incredibly important to me. Um, but um, yeah, I I am always fighting for the best kind of sex. And there was a moment during the session when I was like, holy shit, um, this sex is so fucking fire right now. Mm-hmm. It's definitely on my top. And I don't keep like a top 10. I think it's totally fine too. I have just sort of like a top <laughs> bracket that like I'll just like, you know, keep it in your mind. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just trumped the number five on the list. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was just like the hands, the fucking lips, the fucking cock. All of it was mm. just like next level, and and it was really extraordinary. It was so fiery and fun. Yay! Mm-hmm. And special for him. <laughs> How exciting! That's I probably, know. Yeah, that's probably why it was so fire. All the layers were building and totally, Mm -hmm. totally. And that's the thing, right? You sort of like you built you you, not at first, you know, when it's new and you're just exploring, you're not that comfortable, right? It's Mm -hmm. like the first dates. First dates suck. You ever shouldn't be really that hard on yourself or the other person on the first date. Unless they're a monster, but like you know, it just takes time to lean into it and to get comfortable. Mm -hmm. Shouldn't forget that. Yeah, so true. Well, Sammy, I really appreciate you coming on and feeding <laughs> us your wisdom. Oh my God, it's such <laughs> a pleasure. all the things and sharing and being vulnerable and yeah, all of that. I really appreciate you. Of course. Thanks for having me, Barbie. Of I loved course. it. I love you. Love you. <laughs>